0: Hello everyone, so today we're going to be going over chapter 3 of the biology review for the MCAT, and this chapter consists of embryogenesis and development, so be prepared to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the phases of development and memorize a few things that might be important for the MCAT, and I'll be getting into that in just one second. Okay, so to begin this chapter, let's talk a little bit about what fertilization is and how it happens. So it basically takes place in the ampulla, which is the wide part of the fallopian tube. And the fallopian tube is obviously in females. So just know that. And the way the sperm attaches to the egg, it basically uses something called an acrosomal apparatus. And uh, that helps it attach to the egg. So after, you know, it attaches, calcium ions are released. And depolarization of the ovum occurs. And when this, when the ovum is depolarized, or the egg, it basically prevents fertilization of ovum by multiple sperms. So that is why um, it's very uncommon to get twins or triplets and all that. And it also increases metabolic rate of the zygote. So just be familiar with that. Now, speaking of zygote, we should be familiar with the difference between dizygotic and monozygotic. So This usually, or this is applied to twins, actually. So it's dizygotic twins and monozygotic twins. So what are dizygotic twins? Well, it's basically fertilization of two different eggs by different sperm, right? And then monozygotic is single zygote that splits. And as you can guess by the name, dizygotic would be um, fraternal twins, and monozygotic would be identical twins, because they're essentially coming from the same zygote, it's just that it splits. Versus dizygotic, the reason they're not similar in traits or anything is because it's like having a second sibling uh, that wasn't, you know, conceived at the same time. All right, so zygotes go through cleavage, and there's two types of cleavage. There's determinate, determinate cleavage, which um, is uh, consists of definitive lineages, and then there's indeterminate cleavage, which cells can differentiate into any cells or organisms. All right, next we should be familiar with the stages of cell development and a diagram is very helpful for this but obviously since this is an audio uh it's going to be kind of difficult to go through but i will try to explain it to the best of my ability all right so we start off with the zygote which is basically imagine a sphere within a sphere um that's the best way i could put it it goes through cleavage so it splits uh kind of think of mitosis or meiosis when the cell splits And then it goes through um, more splitting, so it splits into four, and so on and so on. And eventually, there are 32 cells within this sphere, or this egg, right? This is called the marula. And then the cells go through something called differentiation. And essentially, this separates the cells um, into different, different kinds that serve different functions. All right, so differentiation leads to a blastocyte to be formed. And within the blastocyte, there's something called a gap. And not super important, but um, it's basically like a hole or an empty space within the cavity. So cells go through more differentiation. And eventually, the discs start to form. So the bilaminar disc and the trilaminal layer. Um, And this occurs at gastrulation, which is the last step, and this is when germ layers are formed. So once again, the trilaminal layer occurs upon gastrulation, and this is when the germ layers are formed. So yeah, those are the stages of cell development. Next, um, you should be familiar with what implantation is, uh, or essentially when it occurs. Uh, It occurs during the blastocyte stage. So implantation occurs within the blastocyte stage. So you might be wondering what implantation is exactly. Um, This is basically when the embryo attaches to the uterus walls. And once again, it's a blastocyte in this um, instance. Okay. So now that we talked about the germ layers, let's go into a little bit more depth about them. Um, They're pretty important for the MCAT because you never know if you're going to get a question about this. But uh, let's go through the layers and what organs they form. All right. So within the germ layers, there are three. There's the ectoderm, the mesoderm, and the endoderm. All right, so for the ectoderm, it forms the epidermis, hair, nails, the nose, the mouth, the anal canal, the inner ear, the lens, and the nervous system. So that's the ectoderm. We have the mesoderm, and this forms the musculoskeletal system, the circulatory system, the excretory system, tissue, digestive system, and respiratory system. And last but not least, we have the endoderm, and this forms the organs, the epithelial linings of the digestive and respiratory tracts, the liver, the pancreas, the urinary tract, the bladder, and the reproductive tracts. Now, you might be wondering, how am I going to remember all this? Well, there's actually been a cool mnemonic that's been developed for remembering the germ layers and their functions, so I'm going to go over it one more time, but with the mnemonic. All right, so for ectoderm, think of a tractoderm. So ectoderm, attractoderm, and the things that arise from the ectoderm are things that attract us to others, such as the cosmetic features and um, you could say the smarts or the intelligence of people. So the ectoderm, once again, consists of things like hair, nails, nose, mouth, um, the eyes, and the skin and the nervous system. So... Just think that these are things people are attracted to, you know, people are attracted to certain hair color, certain eye color, all that. So once again, ectoderm is a tractoderm. Next, we have the mesoderm. And you can think of this uh, with the mnemonic meansoderm. So the means of getting around as an organism. So this includes things like the bones that develop, the muscle. Um, There's also the means of getting around within the body. So the circulatory system and the kidney. And then the means of getting around, and you can think of this one with a winky face, and it consists of the reproductive organs. Um, And last but not least, we have the endoderm. So think of this as the linings of the endernal organs or the linings of the internal organs, if that makes sense. So obviously this consists of the digestive and respiratory tract linings, Um, Any accessory organ linings, such as the liver, pancreas, thyroid, and bladder, um, and epithelial linings, all that. So, endoderm is the linings of the endernal or internal organs. So now, I hope that made it a little bit easier to remember, but we can move on to what induction is. Induction is when nearby cells cause differentiation in other nearby cells. And this ensures that they're all kind of on the same page, you know, they're differentiating together, um, and it's not like different parts of the body are doing different things, you know? So, we should know that neural crest cells are associated with the peripheral nervous system. All right, so now that's just like a fun fact to know, be familiar with that. Next, we can move on into the different kinds of differentiation and the difference between differentiation and determination so determination think of the cell being determined the cell becomes committed to the cell lineage so um essentially the opposite of differentiation differentiation is when cells assume structure function and biochemistry of that cell type so yeah and um there are components to differentiation so yeah it's essentially like a pyramid scheme but I'll be going through that right now. So there's totipotent, which is the top of the pyramid, and an example of this would be a zygotic cell. And then there's pluripotent, um, and an example of this would be the embryonic stem cells. Um, yeah, so embryonic stem cells. And then there's multipotent, which is the third from the top, and this would include things like the gastrula or adult stem cells. And last but not least, we have unipotency, which includes somatic cells, essentially. So once again, the top is would be a zygote. And then at the bottom, which is the unipotent cells, it would include somatic cells. So essentially, any cells in the body, like hair cells, skin cells, all that. And what is potency, you may ask? It's how much cells can differentiate. So totipotent is basically... There's a lot left to differentiate. And then obviously when you reach unipotent, there's no more differentiation that can occur. So the more they differentiate, the less potency. Just think of it like that. Now, it's also important that we move on to talk about the different types of cell-to-cell communication. And I know that this doesn't relate to embryogenesis, but it's important for cell communication. So, there are, I guess, four kinds of cells-to-cell communication that you should be familiar with. So there's autocrine, paracrine, juxtacrine, and endocrine. Okay. So autocrine is singles, uh, or I'm sorry, signals that act of cells that secreted it. So you can think of auto like self. Yeah. So once again, it's signal that acts of cell that secreted it. Paracrine is the signal that acts on local cells. And then we have juxtacrine, which is cell tr- that triggers adjacent cells. And last but not least endocrine, so signal travels via blood to far away cell sites. So yeah, to go over it one more time. We have autocrine, which acts on the same cell that secreted it. The paracrine acts on local cells. The juxtacrine Uh, cell triggers adjacent cells, and endocrine cell signal travels via blood to faraway cell sites. So, endocrine reaches the longest distances, and this is important for the endocrine system, which will be coming up in a few chapters. Um, But yeah, Uh, we should also be familiar with different ways that cells can essentially die, right? Uh, You might have heard of apoptosis uh, and necrosis, so let's talk about the differences between the two. Apoptosis or apoptosis, however you want to pronounce it, because I've heard both, is programmed cell death. So this is essentially the cell committing suicide. And necrosis is death by injury. So unplanned cell death. Now, the difference between programmed cell death and death by injury um, is, well, it it differs in how the cell dies. All right. So apoptosis, the cell shrinks. The membranes would bleb, also known as would butt off from the, um, the original cell membrane, so it can split off into little small globs, or blobs, and then apoptotic bodies are formed. And then for necrosis, the cell leaks its contents, so you can think of it kind of disintegrating the membrane, um, and then the cell grows and the membrane is destroyed. So for apoptosis, there's a little bit more control because Uh, the membrane buds off instead of just breaking off. So the contents are more controlled versus with necrosis, the contents of the cell are leaking out. And um, kind of to change the page, turn the page a little bit, um, let's talk a little bit about babies again. Um, Just a little bit you should know. I know this is super random because we just talked about cell death, but going back to babies, we should just be familiar with the fact that the umbilical cord is unique in the way that it um sends blood in and out of the body, right? So umbilical arteries carry deoxygenated blood and waste, and then umbilical veins carry oxygenated blood and nutrients. And once again this can be remembered with the uh, mnemonic, you know, arteries and away. So um the umbilical arteries or any arteries in fact except certain ones in the heart carry deoxygenated or bad blood and waste uh, wasteful of or I'm sorry, blood full of waste away from the heart versus veins carried towards. So just think of the A in artery and associated with away. Okay, so in babies, um, there are actually shunts that direct blood away from organs as they develop. And we should be familiar with three specific ones and the path in which blood flows. All right, so the first shunt is called the form ovale. OVAL. And this is a a chamber from the right atrium to the left atrium, and it bypasses the lungs. And this is important to know, because I did get a question about this, but I I mean, um, to clarify a little bit, I got a question about this on a practice exam. And we should be familiar with the fact that when babies don't develop properly, they may still have this chamber, which is actually um, very critical when they come out of the womb, because essentially blood is being bypassed by the lungs and it's traveling between atriums when in reality it should be traveling, you know, with the uh, natural path of the heart, which is through the ventricles and out of the aorta and etc. So once again, that's called the foramen oval. The next shunt is the ductus arteriosus, sorry, the ductus arteriosus. And uh, this is when blood travels from the pulmonary artery straight to the aorta, and then uh, it bypasses the lungs once again, so similar to the foramen oval, and then last but not least, there's the ductus venosus, and this is when blood travels from the umbilical vein to the inferior vena cava, and the organ bypass in this case would be the liver. All right, so... That's that for the shunts that we should be familiar with. Um, next, we only have a few more things left for this chapter. So let's go ahead and cover them real quick. So we should just be familiar with the typical stages of pregnancy and development. Um, so, you know, the trimesters. So the first trimester is when the organs of the fetus form. And this is called organ organogenesis. Yes, organogenesis. Um, and essentially the heart, the eyes and liver and the brain are formed during this trimester. During the second trimester, this is when movement of the fetus begins, limbs elongate, the face starts looking a little bit more human. (laughs) And then the third trimester, which is, you know, when the mother is close to giving birth, this is when rapid growth is occurring. So the fetus is growing at a rapid rate. Brain development is occurring and then antibodies start to transfer to the fetus which is really important for when the baby's delivered. So yeah, the three trimesters, um, just think of them kind of, it's kind of like common sense-y because the first trimester is basically just the basic parts of the baby. So the organs, the main organs that help it survive. Second trimester, you're thinking, okay, it's starting to look more human. And then third trimester is when it's starting to develop everything it needs so it can be ready to be delivered. Yeah, and I just called the baby an it. (laughs) i don't know if that's the proper term but whatever um last but not least the chapter ends off by talking about the phases of birth so the amazing cycle of birth all right so kind of like the trimesters this is split up into three parts as well so we have stage one where the cervix thins out and the amniotic sac ruptures so essentially this is when the water breaks And then two, second stage, is when uterine uterine contractions caused by oxytocin and um, protostaglandins, yes, protostaglandins, which are hormones in the body. And this is when the baby is actually given birth to. So that stage is pretty long because women experience contractions for a while. And then the third one, you'd think that it's over by now, but there's one more stage. So this is when the umbilical cord and the placenta are delivered And you should remember that these are delivered at a separate time from the baby. So yeah, those are the stages of development and embryogenesis. And I hope that this chapter was helpful to you guys because it's definitely helpful for me to review this. And yeah, that concludes this chapter. So good luck on your studies and thank you for listening.